This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Ivy Machau, founder and CEO of Evermore. The MVP in the traditional sense is just not going to cut it, not for something like Evermore. So then what is that thing? This is, again, another thing that I want to demystify, I guess, a little for sort of the founder entrepreneurial experience when you're building something from nothing. Just your screaming, the screaming dots you're trying to connect is you also realize that you're always going to feel like you're not going fast enough. There's just not going to be any shortage of crunch-based news or acquisition news or funding news. You're always going to be like, you know, I needed to launch this thing six months ago, eight months ago, you know, two years ago or something like that. I'm not downplaying that anxiety. I think it's an important one to just kind of like, I like clearing the air and just being, you know, vulnerable and just say like that, that is very much my reality. You're always trying to balance those external pressures. What is that gold standard of having, knowing what to measure, knowing what to validate before you you hit that first launch button and say, this is now my <laughs> maximum minimal viable product. This is Ivy. She's a champion for human potential who has over 20 years of background in consumer psychology and product science. She's got a category-defining product management portfolio, which includes Genentech, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, and Nike. Today, she's the CEO of Evermore, a startup that's on a mission to help people see their innate potential and impacts in the world by bringing our social and emotional selves back online. It's an inclusive betterment platform for young people to develop transferable core skills in social mobility. This is especially helpful for those who might be going through the most challenging times of their life, such as the current pandemic, immigration trauma, grief, separation, and other difficult transitions, aka life. And this inspired me, and hence I invited Ivy to my podcast. We explore what's broken in today's world when it comes to helping young people to grow their self-knowledge and having a strong self-narrative. 
We discuss how the non-stop push of information and chasing social proof has created a big problem in society. We then explore the journey that Ivy has taken to fix the problem once and forever and the challenges that she has faced along the way. We discuss her strategies to scale and accelerate by leveraging the ecosystem in her tech stack. And lastly, we discuss her take on building a remarkable software business. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, how to find highly valuable innovation opportunities by growing your skills to capture any idea and actively connect the right dots. Secondly, that the essence about minimum viable product is often misinterpreted and how thinking about maximum minimum viable product can help. Thirdly, how asking the most piercing questions and describing the answers from a qualitative standpoint will help you define the essence of your business. And lastly, that it's your responsibility as a tech entrepreneur to cherish your hunches and intuitions and create the pathways for them to become useful. So hi, Ivy. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be a part of this show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, let me see how this came across. I think I found you on my journey on, on a hunt. I'm always on a hunt for, for stories about the beautiful things for things that can happen when technology and people blend in the right way. And it's in that realm where it came across and where I got inspired by your company evermore and hence reaching out to you. And here we are. So I'd love to hear more about the big idea behind Evermore and the kind of the whole journey that you're on to. But before we start, you've listened to a couple of my earlier podcasts. First question typically these days is like a little bit about you. So if you would yeah, characterize yourself and you, what, what words would you use to characterize yourself as an entrepreneur? <laughs> I love this question because you don't get asked this a lot. Like nobody cares about how you want to characterize yourself, right? Everybody cares about how they want to see you. So, I mean, this is a great segue into the whole impetus for Evermore too, because how you see yourself is, is important because how you see yourself is what you present out to the world, right? Well, my characterization, (laughs) I think, again, I think I have always been in your previous podcast, I've heard a lot of things about curiosity, entrepreneurship, growth mindset, check, check, and check. I think the funny part is, as I was thinking about this the other day, is I incorporated my first company when I was 16. Uh I didn't have a clue what the company was meant to do, aside from the fact that I started working really young. So I was like, you know what? If I was already putting computers together as a system integrator, maybe that's what the company will do, right? So it's from 13 to 16, I was doing that as a part-time job then at 16 I'm like you know what I feel like I feel like feeling like a boss so I incorporated and of course that company didn't go anywhere I mean you know that's not so true these days anymore right with the speed at which you can build things from nothing so I think I am you know I go off on tangents a lot of things that I'm interested in Although I think at the same time, there's this like knowing in the back of my mind that I was constantly a pattern seeking machine connecting the dots, right? So even at a very young age, I think that carries through to today is I think I'm always that neural network that's always connecting the dots. It could be people, it could be 
products, it could be solutions, it could just be conversations like what we're having today. I'm the dot connector. All right. That's the first time I hear that one. But funny enough, I, I tend to speak about myself in a similar way, connecting dots. So it's a, it's a rare species we are. <laughs> so that was a very good, I mean, yeah, I didn't even realize the connection to your company, but it's, it's so true. It's, this is all about how do you see yourself, particularly young people. So to, well, kind of making them switch to, to Evermore. You started the business in December 19, just before COVID. So everything was still normal then. What did you see by then that was screaming for, for something to solve it? What was the big problem yeah. that you identified? So the dot connector, right? It was always screaming. It had been screaming, even, even when I was working as a consultant at PwC and all my agency days. The screams were something about, wow, there's just wealthy, you know, evolution of technology. And, you know, when I was 16, I think I was still, this gives you proper timestamp of where I was. I was still listening to the sounds of dial-up modems, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. even before that, actually. Oh, my God. And so I think, you know, how fast the technology has been kind of evolving really dictates how we actually can hear those screams louder or it's or it's just a faint sound. So the loud screams I was hearing was there's a lot of essentially not so much back then, but so much now, right? Like if I say self the term self-editing or putting up a front back in the dot-com days or, you know, hello, you've got mail to your AOL account back in the days. That wouldn't make much sense. But now it makes it, now we can connect the dots and say, yes, definitely. You have a LinkedIn profile, you have an Instagram profile, you have a podcaster avatar, you have a keynote speaker avatar. Wow, that's so many different fronts. And by front, I don't mean you're faking any of it, right? To whatever extent, that's all you. The screens are like, how do you actually get clear in who that real person is at the end of the day when no one's watching, look, no one's listening, and you're just by yourself, right? Or, you know, with others, but what is that authentic version of yourself? So I heard that repeatedly all throughout, I guess, my teenage years, because, of course, there's that teenage angst that everybody went through, right? trying to find out who you are, who you want to become. 2019 towards the end of that, yes, that was when pre-COVID times, I got accepted to Amler's first accelerator program cohort in the States. And that launched, that basically acted as a launch pad to yep. everything else, to now hearing the screams even louder, even clearer, to eventually having this laser focus of building whatever more is today. Well, that brings me that at the end is, I mean, the, the screaming and kind of that a lot of people don't know what their fronts are and who they are and what their authentic self is. What does that lead to? And, and what is the opportunity if you get this right? Yeah, well, it's huge. Can you imagine in the midst of over-information, it doesn't even matter if the news is fake or real, but just we're inundated by information, by news, by stimuli, day in and day out, Right. Like right now, as I'm looking at your face, I'm also looking at the red dot that's blinking as it's recording. It's just coming at you and you have 
you're either accustomed to this and you're able to handle it from both yeah. a cognitive, mental, emotional standpoint, or this is just a lot for you. And by not really knowing what that core of you is, it makes actually even dealing with small conversations or simple things in life like how you make a sandwich for lunch difficult. I'm being lighthearted with this because, you know, the opportunity is even greater when we're talking about the Gen Zs, the young people growing up in, they didn't hear the sound of dialogues. They just completely started at fiber optics and, you know, using having probably all those social network profiles that I just mentioned at the eight, at a very tender young age. Right. So not knowing who you are really presents, I would say a danger. I'm not trying to sensationalize things, but you know, it starts from there, not having good self-knowledge in the age of over-information. It's, it's not a good thing. So, I mean, what does that lead to with those youngsters, for example? Is that uh, isolation? Is that anxiety? I mean, it's a lot of things that we're already seeing that's super prevalent and, you know, things that we probably have gathered all in one place from the social dilemma, right? Chasing that social proof, that dopamine drip of likes, followers, comments. And that can easily it's always actually hijacking that personal narrative a little bit because that's just how we're wired. We're wired to belong to an in-group, to a culture, to a society, to even at the smallest unit, you're, you know, within your social circle, the closest social circle. So that seeking approval does not dictate a, a weak character. Just, that's just something that we do naturally, right? But too much of that is not great, especially if you're really just developing, coming to develop into an adult. So the great opportunity there is they can actually not just take a break from all of that, which they, they need to still do. Because what happens when you just overnight quit all your social accounts? Where's your social capital that you've built over time then? Can you imagine just deleting LinkedIn and say, you know what, I can probably still carry on business as usual. No, that is BS. That's not realistic, right? True, true. So how can we present this one thing that it becomes their refuge? It becomes the place that they go and say, you know what, when I'm sick and tired of you know editing myself and I feel like I'm trapped in this bubble, even if it's my own doing, how can I actually just dial back everything or dial up to my higher order of self and, and really own it in a real way that helps me grow? That's the thing where the, the big thing is coming from. A lot of people need help with that. And at that age, particularly the young people that don't have an answer for this. Yeah, I have challenges in doing that. But it's the growth part. So I'm really interested to, to hear, like, what have you built that is going to solve this? <laughs> we can stay pretty high level just because I want to say, you know what, people always say that the most beautiful, elegant solution to a problem is something that's simple to explain, right? It could be complex on the back end and have many, many levels of intelligence that makes it all come together. Yeah. The way it is now, that's, that's how it works now, is there are three key points. One is what we just talked about, right? Building a strong, strong self-narrative 
like having that personal narrative, knowing who you are, that's super important. The second part is how do you actually do that? So going back to sort of the most prominent communication method that we're, we're all using these days, mine is this podcast interview, which is voice, right? And we're actually, the, you know, the audience, when they play back the, the interview, they're not going to see our faces, but also there's video. This is actually not the most dominating method of communication. We actually are still very trapped in text-based communication, sure. right? Emails, texting, you name it. There's a chat bot for everything now, right? Before it was like, oh, there's an app for that. But now it's like, oh, yeah, there's a chat bot for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the second key is vocalization. Let's bring back the power of the human voice, right? And not just do that by itself let's strip let's go back to like okay too much stimuli let's let's reduce it down to something that is still potent but removes the extra stressors of video and text so now that is using voice using voice to talk about your day to talk about something as banal as what you want to eat later or as profound as you know what i have this dream or i have this aspiration And the third key aspect is third aspect of this whole throbbing core that is the platform of Evermore is we talk about empathy AI. So how are we building an intelligence system that that really gives us an empathetic ear, right? Okay, well, now I'm talking about my day. Are you going to keep on cutting in and not let me finish what I've started talking about? Are there just a lot of extraneous let's say, you know, gimmicky or flashy features, like let's detect your mood. You feel sad right now. Okay, well, guess what? If I see that in the UX, like mood trackers do this a lot, right? For a sad person who's already in the depressive mood, being confirmed or validated that you're sad probably just makes you even sadder. So it's not so much about the accuracy of the technology. It's like, well... How is it useful? So, you know, empathy being kind of woven into the experience through and through is, well, now that we have given the person the space, the safe and creative space to talk about who they are and who they want to become, let's just be empathetic to this amazing, amazing opportunity and make sure that that it's unfolding naturally. So the empathetic sort of, I want to say, the science of empathy is carried through by listening deeply, then in a reflective way, giving back the insights that the user, the users could find beneficial and, you know, useful. Like, oh, I didn't know that I use those words a lot whenever I'm describing this situation. Or guess what? Whenever I'm talking about that person or that event, this is how I'm using my language. This is how my voice sounded. So yeah. empathy in using the, the technologies such as emotion and voice AI is really at the core of how we're providing this, you know, this quality of empathy to our users. The way I describe it, it's like a platform that is providing you with, a, with sort of a companion, your best mate inside your pocket that you can go back to all the time and that is actually keeping you honest to, to what you are and what you want to you know, want to achieve. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, that that's perfect how you just put it. Because like, I wanted something like that in my back pocket when I was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> who, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, right? But instead, right now, what's at your every beck and call is, you know, Alexa probably telling you when your prime de- delivery is showing up. Yeah. Or, you know, Siri is telling you about your appointment with the weather. Yes, useful information, but not so useful when it comes to like, well, this is, Tom, you're on track to becoming who you are because there are these podcasts you're holding. You have a systematic approach to how you're, you know, seeking out these founders to talk about their spirit of entrepreneurship, right? (laughs) Having that kind of validations are important information. Cool. Love to get my hands on the product to kind of just yeah see how it can help me to grow as well. So it's you got yourself a fan already. I mean, you start like you said, you started in, in, in nineteen, so you've come a long way in like one and a half, a little bit more than one and a half year in terms of going from idea all the way to product launch. So what has happened along the way? What have been yeah, the fundamental decisions that you took in order to to get where you are today? Yeah, well, being a product person by trade and I think a curious research researcher, right, dot connector at heart means that I actually constantly had a balance sort of this in constant internal struggle of when when I draw the line, when I can say, okay, this is no longer just minimum fiction, not fiction, but frictional product, right? But reduce the friction to sort of having this end end result package that is let's just say will result in a high possibility of of a successful launch so that internal struggle from you know i I should mention that i have your aside from being a tech nerd i'm also a ux person which just makes me even nerdier right because when when you care about the user when you care about their experience at the end of the day it means that of course you're into the psychology the decision making you know their experiential qualities of when they interact or you know user interface so this internal struggle of when when do you stop building and say okay this is good enough to launch then test and learn I think that's what I'm, I'm still learning to, you know, it's every day. It's everyday learning. It doesn't ever stop. Yep. But I will have to say from, you know, to answer your question succinctly from the time, let's just say I officially started building to now is just really getting a good, a more perfect handle on that. I think that's a challenge for every entrepreneur at the end. But I, you, you made a couple of critical points here. You talked about minimum viable products. Then you were talking about minimum frictional products. And I, what I liked in your in your conclusion there is that your check mark here is not that a minimum viable product is like the minimum you can put out for customers to kind of see what it is, but it's the minimum thing to guarantee a high, the most highly possible or the most probable successful launch product. And that is something about that's about a, something completely different. That is about really creating an experience that people love and love enough to keep using it. Yes. Yes. And it's not something you can easily answer without, let's just say, enough validation, right? Exactly. So, I mean, that again, that slows you down, but in a good way. There's the good, that's the good slow because yeah. then you can say, you know what? 
the MVP in the traditional sense is just not going to cut it, not for something like Evermore. So then what is that thing? And I think, you know, this is, again, another thing that I want to demystify, I guess, a little for sort of the founder entrepreneurial experience when you're building something from nothing. Just your screaming, the screaming dots you're trying to connect is you also realize that you're always going to feel like you're not going fast enough, mm-hmm. right? There's just not going to be any shortage of crunch-based news or acquisition news or funding news. You're always going to be like, you know, I needed to launch this thing six months ago, eight months ago, you know, two years ago or something like that. So that, that you know, not downplaying that anxiety, I think it's an important one to just kind of like, I like clearing the air and just being, you know, vulnerable and just say like that, that is very much my reality. And that will, that's a similar reality for a lot of founders, right? Because you're going to have a lot of, you're always trying to balance those external pressures. So then, you know, going back to what we were just talking about before, like, what is that gold standard of having, knowing what to measure, knowing what to validate before you you hit that first launch button and say, this is now my (laughs) maximum minimal viable product. Let me make a small interruption here. Ivy just made an excellent remark about her approach to bringing solutions to market that people will talk about from the start. Not by creating a minimum viable product that just does the table stake functions, but by finding the maximum minimum viable product, the version that will be a success at first launch. That's a trait remarkable software companies master. They focus on the essence, the essence of what drives value and desire amongst the right customer. You can master these traits as well, and I have various options for you to start. Just go to valueinspiration.com to learn about the masterminds and the work streams to help you fast track the growth of your software business. And while you are there, don't forget to grab the free Kindle version of my book, The Remarkable Effect. Back to the interview. And... You know, it's always a dichotomy and it's like, a, it's a very meta, like, because, you know, the maximum that you needed to have to be, for it to be a minimal viable, you already answered those questions during, during let's say, you know, forevermore, we have months of beta, beta, beta testing phase, right? So yeah. we're getting those questions slowly answered and you just can't rush that process. That's just, sure. you can't rush it by buying research, right? Like, well, okay, then, you know, research is only as good. The survey question answers are only as good as what you're asking. How would you even know to ask the right questions if you're not through trial and error, through iterating in your sort of, you know, design prototyping phase? Yep. What will be the scenarios that's likely going to cause tension and what will be the scenarios that's likely to create the light, right? You just don't know. So, yeah, many, many learnings. And I talk about them as in- internal struggles because I, you kind of have to know, it's, again, going back to self-knowledge, is when you, when you know the devils that you fight with day in and day out internally, that's all going to really help you in a very big way. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you have to follow your own path there. And the typical, the external pressures don't, they have a different agenda but often don't take the results that, or the impact that it needs to create into, into account. 
particularly if you're talking about the founding or the VC community that's, you know, of course it's about speed and of course it's about rapid growth. But of course, to do that, you need to have something that, first of all, launches successfully and that people want to use for the first point, but then keep using forever because churn is the other danger. So yeah, I'm always interested to understand like what decisions you took on that on that journey. And, and I saw a post that you recently shared about one of your partnerships, for example, with Symbol. Yeah, but conversational AI. What have been your, yeah, I mean, the decisions that you took for yourself in terms of, okay, what do I do myself with, with Evermore? And, and what do I outsource to people that are way better with that? Well, I think, again, those are bigger questions that should be answered in your problem and solution slide, right? <laughs> in your investor deck. But just because those slides exist and you need to have those slides doesn't mean that those were easy to answer questions. So I mentioned a little bit about, you know, is Evermore going to be a community or is it an AI company? And I will, I will have to say, if we just kind of think about in there, think about it in very simple terms of, well, you don't start to train your models until you have enough data, the right kind of data, right? Let's emphasize that. Where is it going to come from? How is it going to be relevant, especially in the space of, wow, this is a thing that's going to help me understand myself better. Well, you need data from the field. You need the data, historical data of that person day in and day out, right? So in that sense, how are you going to get started? Well, you have to first create a potent, a delightful, and inspiring, I'm not going to continue down this list because there are just a lot of adjectives that I, it's always constantly strolling. You have to make sure that this is something valuable and valuable to your users at the end of the day. And once you have those value propositions, right, you're like, okay, well, these are differentiated enough to say it's not about us being the best NLP or the best NLU or the best conversational intelligence company, because you know what, to do that, it would just take, it would just be too hard. You can only build one core company in essence at a time. So, okay, well, if creating a community and creating a platform that has this amazing quality of empathy that everybody will be gravitating towards, because just, there's just nothing like that that is very close to this out there, then it's not about, you know, getting a bunch, an army of data scientists to get the NLP and LU right. Then it's coming down to selecting the right partners. And I will have to say the dot connecting, it happens. I'm grateful that I always have a lot of other dot connectors, I guess, like attracts like, right? So my advisors, they're, they're, they just helping amazing. Steve Ardieri, I have enough advisors to where I, I can't list them all on a podcast and John Havens and Fab, Fabio Patan and Pamela Pavacek and, and many more, you know, having your tribe of dot connectors means that they can quickly understand exactly what the essence of your company that you're trying to build for which they're advising and say, yeah. guess what? Dude, do dead. These are the tech partners that you're, you should be talking to. So Serbi came through as a neutral contact and introduction through my advisor, Steve. 
and and more and more of these you know connections are happening. So you know, in in my founder circle, Burn Burn is also an, a key partner of ours who's doing just a brilliant things with emotion emotion AI. So that was another neutral. That was the introduction to a founder friend. So again, knowing what your value props are, like elevated to a point where you can say, you know what, we need to check off these boxes, but not the、yeah. other. These others aren't important. Will then provide the right answers for you to be like, well, then what is my what is my tech stack, right? What's my tech stack? How should I build that so I don't have to start from zero? Exactly true. That is helping you with speed to market. But sales again, it's like the journey that you've been through and like being ready now for launch beginning of September. From starting in December nineteen with a product that's it's going to be revolutionizing with regards to how people are going to see it in the empathy space is pretty interesting. And yeah, a lot of companies could couldn't even imagine doing something like this a couple of years ago. Because they thought, and that means I'm guilty of that my, my, as well in the previous in my history. You have to do all all of the things yourself. But it's a, yeah, it's a very hard nut to crack with regards to where do you draw the line again. I mean, that's sort of a pattern in this podcast already. Like, where do you stop? Where do you start? And when do you say good is good? Yeah, yeah. good is good enough. Good is good、Except. enough. Bring it to market, then test right. You know what? I like when you just come up with these terms on a random podcast interview, like maximum, minimum viable product. Like that—that that should be a thing. Because will you just go super minimalistic and minimum, minimum to the point of that it's it's let's just say pretty embarrassing? Because fine, you're not testing enough, right? You're not get you're not doing enough to actually get the right or the depth. Of validations that you need、True. for it to be truly minimum. So then I think you know it's not so clean cut. Everybody's minimal viable product is going to be sitting somewhere, you know. And if you will, you need to define what that minimum is. And for yeah, us, for us, yeah. And what do you optimize it for? I mean, if it if it needs to do the trick, okay. But does it give you a successful launch where people are going to talk about it and rave about it, and then you know become your spreaders? That requires something completely different. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's always that pendulum swing, right? When you have become too slow, people are like faster. When you're when going too fast, people are like slower. Minimum,、yeah. maximum, maximum, minimum. I think you know having a core, having some really non-negotiable. Sort of core essence of what what is the ultimate end product that you want to bring to the space is those questions you are the ones that you want to answer sooner rather than later. Has that got to do with a certain experience that you want to leave people with? Yeah, leave it to them to ask the most piercing questions. Yes, right. What does self knowledge help? How does it help me? Yeah. Does it help me? Let's just say it, describe it from a qualitative standpoint, right? Would it help me feel lighter, even maybe on a heavy day? Would it help me feel like I actually have the capabilities or the capacity to be well? Like I, I talk about human potential in this way sometimes, I, and I, you know, you, 
you can let me know if it helps you this way. When we talk about human potential, it's just so, it could be anything, right? Like it's so broad. And, you know, psychologists talk about like when you have such abstract terms, it doesn't have enough resolution. So it makes some doing something like goal setting towards your potentials almost impossible because it requires a couple more layers of definitions, right? So potential is great, but you could have, you could be anything, anything and everything. So then what? Now you're paralyzed because you're like, well, if I could be anything, what are those? Can we have at least the top three things, right? Yeah. So the human potential in that way is like, you know, you need to first have that clarity of definition, then how it works really. And, you know, I'm simplifying it for just this conversation's sake. It's your ability to be feeling okay enough moment by moment to get to the next day, to get to the next week, to get to the next month, right? And I promised myself, you know, mentally to not go on a tangent on this podcast, but I'll I'll just seed it a little bit, you know, for for the audience to kind of do, do it as they listen to this and as they maybe offline when they start to kind of put their own thinking to it. Then if we're saying that if human potential is really my ability to be okay, to have the right, to have the right knowledge or the know-how to get there, to have enough buoyancy from moment to moment, then can you imagine now let's just go back to that over-information and the stimuli coming at you thousand miles an hour all the time, right? If, If you don't actually have a way of protecting your mind, and train it in a way that allows you to give yourself the ability to have that level of buoyancy to be okay, that is also just going to be a constant battle. True. So, you know, I think we all have aspirations and we, we all have goals. And, you know, I'll just talk about product a little bit. There's a ton of stuff out there for behavior change, for goal setting, for, for self-improvement, Right. And I, I think, I think there. I like seeing that there is a huge market. I like seeing that the marketplace is now more filled with companies that use the words empathy or resilience in their product descriptions or their product promise, which means that those are important things that you know more and more people are going to be looking for in sort of like that end and that end result, right? What what users might be looking for of all age groups, not just young users like... Yeah, gen- true. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I think it's something that also is maybe also underestimated because people don't talk about it a lot, you know? But when uh, you start asking those questions, you get, you get the honest answers and then you see it's a real problem. And you see it everywhere yeah. around you, yeah. And it stops yeah. people from doing the things that they want to do because they, this, yeah, the whole thing of the imposter syndrome, they feel they don't, it's not good enough or they are not good enough. Yeah, that's the waste, and that shouldn't be the case. So looking forward to what it's going to bring. I mean, you, well, you got a copy in the meantime of my book, The Remarkable Effect. I'm not sure whether you, how far you've come reading it, but since you're building a company yourself, I mean, when you started it and you started dreaming about what this could be, what would be your definitions of yeah, creating that company that, that, keep, that people just keep talking about? What do you believe that needs to be right? Well, I, I, I think then let's just bring back our innate potential. Like what needs to be right is I hope if we're doing it right, that 
the people who use Evermore will gradually understand that, yes, life is about the journey, right? A lot of times we're sort of being conditioned to thinking that, you know what, I just look at that one pro athlete or that one public figure, like you have the epic tale. At the end of that journey, you skip through all of the hard earned, the sweat, blood and tears, but then you get to the, you know, the award ceremony, let's say, right? You forget that it is a journey. The, the payoff will be for doing right is that young people now can understand, which I think they've always known is, you know what? Too much of out there chasing that social proof means that you become a little too absorbed overly. You're over-indexing what's happening outside of yourself. True. So once, once you start to actually turn a little bit inward, not in a way that you become less of a sociable creature, but once you start to have that strong personal narrative, oh my God, you start to shine, right? You start to shine even in your presence, in the way you hold yourself in your next TikTok video or your Instagram story, you're, you're going to start to change and that will be a notice, noticeable change that's authentic. That's not even your own doing. It's just coming out naturally from, from within you. The other aspect of not looking at the journey as something to be honored and treasured is you forget that you have these superpowers that just need to be tapped into. Sure. You just need to know that they're already there. There are qualities that you already possess, right? If I just kind of paint this picture, like at one point we're all the humble worshiper, then we become the priest, the mystic, the god. Same thing in sports. You're like that super fan on the sidelines. Then you become the cheerleader, cheering for them. Then you become the player, the pro player, the maybe the maybe the coach, right? Eventually, like there are those steps that that's yeah. sort of like that heroic journey, right? Like yeah, recognize true. that, honor it, and everybody can start to create. Well, acknowledge that they're actually creating their own personal myths by getting to know themselves better. Yeah, I agree. Realizing that it is a journey and the guy yeah, providing yourself with the steps to get there, that, that's providing the, yeah, the energy to make it actually happen. I like that. So what have been the learning so far? I mean, the company exists for 20 months. What have been one of the biggest obstacles you might have to be going through and, and how did you overcome that? I would say overcoming as in present tense and always overcoming. <laughs> not in the past it i think is you know yes once even as a founder when you have a purpose and you have a purpose for the product you start to rally right it becomes a rally cry yeah. so you attract advisors you attract a good team you attract potential investors then it's about building those relationships I say it's less about overcoming obstacles. It's more about, again, acknowledging the fact that, all right, it's a process. It in itself is a journey. You know, a lot of times it just, it's easy to kind of start chalking up conversations to be in very binary groups of yes or no, right? If you hear enough, enough times of rejections and no's eventually that's all you can see it's a yes True. or no 
guess what? It's not, well, we all know that's not how the world works, right? They're going to be hard no's. But then a lot of times it's down to you. You have the accountability and the responsibility to filter those conversations in the ones that you, where you can see, wow, there's an opportunity for relationship building. This thing needs to be called, cultivated. This conversation sure. needs to be nurtured or this relationship needs to grow in its own time, right? Yeah. It's not just about you. True. When, again, I think when you step outside of that mental model, then you can see, while overcoming the day-to-day as a founder, a tech founder, someone who's building a community product is to be good with people things, which is yeah, really for sure. It's the start of it, right? Create yeah. a belonging. Yes. So that people want to be part of that, exactly. And I agree with you. It's actually the yes and the no's, and even the no's possibly are gifts to you as well because you can learn a lot from it, and it's, it makes you stronger. And possibly it wasn't the right time at that moment yeah, do some, you can do something about it. Again, it's mindset. That's possibly also what your product is going to help people put in, in the right order for. And kind of, yeah, they say that peel the onion or like, I gotta, yeah, reveal the truth about certain things that people think about. So from the things that you've learned, what advice would you give to other people that aspire to be tech entrepreneurs like yourself or people that want to pivot their company because it's on a journey towards something that they don't want? What has been advice that you've benefited tremendously from that you would say, okay, share it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll make it short. But in essence, I think we all go through a period of incubation, right? Going back to the dot connector metaphor, you first have to see the dots. Then most likely you want to talk about the dots. But you want to talk about it enough, just enough. And then you have to start actually connecting them. So I think one, I mean, I have a lot of advice. I don't think advice is really, they're good as key takeaways, but you kind of actually have to see if they work for you, right? Because for certain personalities, there's a lot of talking that needs to happen before the doing comes. For other personalities, they're just naturally talking, talker and doer, talker and doer. So they kind of flip between the two modes. I say, you know what? Do the do. (laughs) definitely definitely you know when you have a great idea start to connect with the network of people around you you can talk about your ideas but it becomes a little bit like poison if it just stays within you and it's not activated or enacted upon so you know you don't you definitely don't want to be idea constipated right? You want to kind of vet it. And there's no better way to vet your ideas than testing your ideas and be truthful to your ideas than to actually, you know, do build it out and test it out. So that's one thing. The other is, again, going back to the people, sometimes the the dots you're connecting are ideas. But most of the time, it's people you're connecting the people dots, right? Like sure. cherish everybody, cherish the conversations that might not even be up your alley. Like you're always learning something from it, right? You're sure. always kind of have that glimmer or that little tidbit of gem that you get from conversations. Even the ones that you might not score a 10, you're still like, you know what? That was interesting. Was it is. In my yeah. back pocket and, you know, some insights from that. No, I like your advice on that. I see it the same way. 
there's always something yeah valuable you can learn from conversations that you have even if it's not directly resulting into a particular impact that you're hoping for so yeah i like that advice and oh i yeah, want to add another take- one tom i actually want to add a practical one so being that i'm a voice technology founder like the evermore it's all about voice a lot of times if you don't capture your idea at the right moment it just dissipates right disappears so make sure that you have some kind of system if it's a voice memo so be it maybe this is you know or maybe it's evermore right use evermore to like record your ideas right and have it connect the dots for you and your hunches for you maybe one day version version 10 and you know just just make sure that no ideas are too little to not be captured I think I just use a triple negative in there. But you, you know what I mean. Like, yep. use a tool like Monday. Use a tool like Trello. Use a tool like your notebook. Just write it down. I think I write an article somewhere. No, you know what? Speaking of connecting the dots, I have to mention, so Stephen Johnson, the author for Where Great Ideas Come From, right? Still one of my all-time faves. Why? Because he talks about hunches and intuition and not like they're magic, but as they are, they are the synapses waiting to be fired and shot off from inside your brain. The dots were already there. There's already there's already the right parts. You just have to kind of create the pathway. And then you have to fire them off enough times for the pathways to become super useful. So, you know, your dots and your hunches, start writing them down, start recording them down evermore. However you want to capture them, don't don't let them fly away. Yeah, that's practical advice. I love that advice as well. But also a combination with like just I mean don't don't think about it and keep talking about it, start doing it as well. That's one good advice as well. But then there's another thing that I didn't touch upon during the conversation. You mentioned a couple of times that's like the North Star, the vision. You mentioned I think you may mention even another word. Yesterday, I actually interviewed Radhika Dut, the author of Radical Product Thinking. Well, advice to kind of to start reading the book. Actually, it's coming out 28th of September, I think. That was also around the whole thing of like, we always have to move faster, 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 but to what? So it's those things that need to be kind of connected to each other. And so if you don't know where you're going, what your vision is, what you try to achieve, in the words that you've beautifully said, yeah, then you can go in all kinds of directions fast, but like... <laughs> failing in a horrible way without even knowing that let me see like so you're going to launch the product pretty soon early september so what is next for you what is your greatest aspiration where do, where do you hope that the company is going to be in six to 12 months time from now that's so fast though <laughs> <laughs> you just did it i'm just kidding well six to 12 months that sort of the goal Let's just say that stick in the ground is a lot of learning, definitely a lot of learning from data. I think there's going to be a couple of innovation cycles that we already know that's part of our platform product roadmap, right? But if I just fast forward a little little further beyond the 12-month mark, let's just say blue sky, I think it's important sometimes you, you have to have that and vision that's uncontaminated by a timeline, right? True. Is, I think, this idea of having decentralized way of keeping a person's own psychology intact 
so it's not it cannot be easily hijacked by other algorithms or or other interactions that you have out there day in day out is really what we're going after so you know there are too many pop culture references there one could say you know it's not minority report it's not about reporting crime but it's about perhaps recording your true state of your emotions right yeah. of those sort of snapshots of what tone who tone is how tone is becoming that version of himself what's sort of your true false states of these different big epochs of your life you're gen- being a gen z that's one epoch eventually you're gonna get out of school maybe enter the workforce that's one another epoch these epochs should all have some kind of memorable yep. states right milestones let's say personal psychological milestones that a person could benefit from if they can let's just say sure. play it back and say you know what during those epochs these things served me so you know it's like almost like a time capsule for your life cool right? so in yeah. a way that's preserved that's not again contaminated by other other algorithms memory another podcast interview maybe you know like we yeah, just sure. remember things so differently yeah. based on your emotional state at the time and and how it just kind of i guess gets watered down as the time passes so like maybe there's a way forevermore to preserve your states in a in a true enough format that it it actually serves you it brings you something when you look back on it one day fascinating fascinating and i think that's that's also something that is very important because at the end it's about your own thinking and no one else has to do anything with that is privacy and that also creates trust in the system and possibly that's also the reason why people keep coming back to it thank you for this it was a highly inspirational almost hour i learned a great deal i love the vision that you run i think it's particularly for the target group that you're addressing this is this is highly needed so good luck with the launch hope it's going to make a big wave where can people go to find out more about evermore or to say hi to you yeah, I'm reachable on all channels. All my fronts are out there on the interweb. To check out Evermore and sign up for the app, just hit up our website, evermore, E-V-R-M-O-R-E dot I-O. And, you know, just we're always to be found these days. For the founders out there, for the aspiring entrepreneurs out there, for the people who are like, I just want to incorporate something. I don't care what it is. <laughs> if you want to listen in here reach out to me past launch i my my ears are yours in whatever Perfect. way that i can help help you connect the dots i hope to be to help other dot connectors become better dot connectors thank you very much thank this you was, and good luck thank you so much and this ends my conversation with ivy i hope you enjoyed it and if so please leave a review on itunes and if it inspired you please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network Other than that, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Ivy Machau, founder and CEO of Evermore. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. 
If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at don.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.